0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to our next week in our encounter study. I am Reverend Rebecca Zardi, and I am the director of ministry with Women for the Ministry Council for the Cumberland Presbyterian Church. And You're a pro with that now, trying to lose your microphone and you just I am. To throw it off there. Good gracious!
1: So, my name is Chris. So, Fleming. who are you? <laughs> yeah, my name is Chris <laughs> Fleming. I'm the adult ministries coordinator for the Ministry Council of the Cumberland Presbyterian Church, and um, I am the editor of this here Christian curriculum, and I'm glad that you're using it. I like it a lot. I had an experience in a Sunday school class that was not using the Encounter uh, Sundays ago, and we've got a good curriculum here. And I'm thankful that y'all are using it. And um, you should have by now uh, your encounters for the summer. That's going to be written by Doctor. That is written by Doctor. Estes, and it's a study in Job and Ecclesiastes. I wanted to do some wisdom literature. Um, this this time um because yeah you don't always get to it so
0: no that's true we don't really get to it and and before you go anywhere this morning um go ahead and click that little button down below and like and subscribe to our channel make sure you click the little bell so that you're notified of new content that's coming up and the more subscribers we have to this channel the more it gets out there the more information we can get out yes chris is raising his hand Sorry. what do you want nothing <laughs> that was awesome we're learning how to use all these fun tools on zoom we've been we've been messing around with some of them so so exciting today that chris is our our writer for this is lesson 13 for sunday may 29th we are in philippians chapter 2 let's go ahead and start with our prayer for illumination today holy god the word teaches us to take It teaches us that the biggest, the smartest, and the proud will be considered valuable and important. In your word, we read that it is the servant. It is those who give up these things that will be first in the kingdom of God. Soften our hard hearts that we might receive this hard teaching with gladness. Strengthen our hands and feet that we might live out this truth we learned today. Amen.
1: I got a little, a little long winded on that one, didn't I?
0: Yep, yeah, okay. but it's beautiful because it's true. I mean, it's really what we're going to dive into today. Um, our, our memory verse comes from Philippians chapter two, verse three. It says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, regard others as better than yourselves. So it is a tough one. And this is a really, this is a really tough topic, especially in. I think in the Western culture, and we're going to get into this, but I really think in the Western culture, this is really difficult topic for us in particular, not our brothers and sisters, all worldwide in some of the cultures, more in the Western, because we're taught to be rugged individuals. We're taught to be self-reliant and self-sufficient. These are all, these are all our buzzwords that are going yeah. on today. Bootstraps. But you started yeah exactly. you know that we're supposed to be able to just take care of ourselves and not depend upon anybody else and that what we says is amazing is amazing. but you start with the introduction with how do you define humility and do you consider yourself humble? So what and I love the song that you picked that was funny
1: I wrote <laughs> it's a that uh, song
0: yeah. uh, <laughs> Sure. So what is it that you want us to really? like, start with us we're, as we're diving into this lesson today.
1: So, we we've been in the book of John for most of the year, mm-hmm. and in John, there's the scene where Christ is about ready to wash his disciples' feet, and it says, knowing that he came from God and was going back to God, he loved his disciples to the very end. So, humility isn't, this is the other, the so the one side of Western culture is this pompous, prideful nature, right? Like, sure. we go big, you know, in, in America.
0: Go big or go home,
1: right? And we have, yeah. we have a drive where where more stuff is a is a reflection of our greatness.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Status. Also,
1: yeah. At the same time, we have a crisis of um, depression and uh, our self esteem. At the same time, it's terrible, and neither of those obviously are humility, and so we'll talk about it a little bit later with the C.S. Lewis quote. quote. The the way Jesus was humble is that he knew that he was God's child, and he was secure in that in his identity, and so it was no skin off his nose then to be humble, to wash the feet of the disciples where someone might've thought that was humiliation, he didn't have to prove anything to anybody. He knew his position. And so I think that's what I try to say with humility. On the one hand, I'm a child of God. So what task could God call me to, or what experience can I go through that could humiliate me? I'm loved by God. Mm. That's my base.
0: Um, Ooh, that's deep. That's deep.
1: So that's and so and so that theology then continues with this Philippian passage where Paul says, although he was in the form of God, did not regard equality equality with God as something to be exploited, but he humbled himself. And so when you know who you truly are, and that your worth is not based on your actions or what other people think about you, but on the position you are as God's child, you can then become a slave or a doulos to God. Right. So that's where I'm at there.
0: Okay. Okay. So how would you personally, layman's terms, make it easy for people? That's hard for me. Humility. Yeah, I know it. That's why I'm asking you. (laughs) I'm stretching you outside of your box.
1: So I'm thinking correctly of yourself. Okay. I mean, yeah. You know, not too high, not too low who you are.
0: That's that's an excellent definition of humility.
1: Of course do you consider
0: Do you consider yourself humble?
1: No. <laughs> now that yes that and way. no. <laughs> yeah, I joke about it a lot, but like when yeah. I have performance reviews uh, at Barry Shaw, I know when I've done a good job and I know when I haven't, and and I can confess when I haven't. When I've done wrong, I can confess I've done wrong. Right? Sure. I have moments of inhumility. So like, like, I know I'm not, again, William Shakespeare. So if I write a lesson, I know it's not like a classic. It's not John Bunyan's Pilgrim Progress. I know that. Sure. But when I think somebody's just trying to be mean and they haven't given it a good looking, I get pompous about it. And then five minutes later, I'm like, you know, you do your best, go on. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I have moments yeah. for sure, yeah.
0: <laughs> sure.
1: I do yeah, think I, highly I, of myself.
0: Well, you, you, you know, sometimes, okay. And and there's a balance. And I think we're going to talk about that a little bit, but there's a balance because there's a point of recognizing and understanding your own skills and abilities. And when you have done a good job, but there's also a line where you can recognize that you've done a good job, but then you push it too far.
1: Yeah. Yeah, You know, I I mean,
0: there's a line there's a line i don't i don't know how to define that line in particular but you know when you've just when you've pushed it too far when you went you know tooted your own own horn way too much and and why is it so hard for us to be humble
1: garden of eden sure yeah um i mean like the garden of eden that was um adam and eve wanting to be like god but not submissive to god that's our human nature we want to control things and worship ourselves
0: Yes, we do. We, we love to love to be in control and get the accolades and praise. I mean, when you look at young children, who doesn't want to have all the accolades and praise and have their name in lights, right? I mean, that's what kids live for. That's what, that's what I think we as people live for. We want to be recognized for what we've done. Yep. And sometimes for what we haven't done that we just take credit for. But right. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So, let's jump into the exploring the scripture. You really start off with the term doulos and we've talked about it last week, but for those that weren't with us last week and those that haven't been with us before doulos, what does this mean?
1: So again, doulos in some tra- Bible translations is uh, translated as servant. Um which is okay. But I mean, it really means slave and all of its horribleness. It means slave. It means, uh, you know, you're not your own, you belong to someone else. And so Mm -hmm. the setting for this again is Paul is in house arrest, right? He's, you know, it's it got in here. It's the imagery of persecution, slavery and imprisonment. Imprisonment gives this portion of the letter the proper context. And so, um, Paul will bring verse 7 of our passage when he's speaking about Christ says, but Christ emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness. And so Paul is, as he is writing his little theological treaties here, he is practicing what he's preaching because he's in chains for the gospel, right? So, So that's that. So what Paul then does is, um, what's called the imperative indicative, uh, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, some, some people call it different various things, but the imperative and indicative balance is, is what I was taught when I was growing up. But basically the, the, uh, indicative is here's the truth that, or here's something Christ did. And because Christ did it, you are doing this, right? Like, um, and I and I want to say it's not moralism. So if we're not careful as preachers, we can say, "Do not steal. Do not commit adultery. Do not." And if you do these things, you're a Christian. No, that's not true. That's just you being a pretty good person. Um, the Holy Spirit in you, because Christ has accomplished these things, is creating a new person by which you won't steal, by which you won't commit adultery or these kinds of things. Yes. Um, uh, and so, anyway, that that's kind of briefly what what that is there. Um,
0: right. So by becoming a slave to Christ, and, and that that is a hard term for us. I think we talked about this a little bit last week. That is a really hard term for us to understand in our context, just because it is it, it can be and has been through through the centuries, a very terrible thing to be a slave and slave to somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we become a slave to Christ and the Holy Spirit works through us, there are things that changes in us that we recognize that we shouldn't do, not because it's a moral superiority, but because it's the, it's the right thing. And right. and as we grow and change and mature, God keeps opening our eyes to other things in our life that we need to let go of or change or look at differently. Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: So, That's, yeah, to so sum it up in verses 12 and 13, Paul said. Paul talks about all these things Christ did. And so Mm -hmm. in 12 and 13, Paul says, therefore, right? Because of the truth of the gospel, because you're a Christian, as you have always obeyed me, not only in my presence, but much more now in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That sounds, Mm -hmm. you know, Christ has done this. You work out your salvation with fear and trembling because or for it is God who is doing the work in you, enabling you both to will and to work his good pleasure. Yes. But let's talk
0: about fear and trembling a little bit, because Uh I think too many times preachers use those words, fear and trembling, and we don't define them. We don't give the information needed to understand that terminology, because when we think of fear, we think of being afraid. Like, you know, I don't like spiders. So I'm like, wow, spider. That's that's fear but this isn't the kind of fear that we're talking about here. And that's not what Paul's talking about. He's, he's working out our salvation with fear and trembling, but it's not being afraid of it. It is that reverential. So let's talk yeah. about that a
1: little bit. Well, I think even, yes, I think you've got it right. Like this is the same as you would fear your parents. You love your parents. You fear your parents. Sure. You yeah. know, cause you know, depending on when you grew up in life, you could get a spanking and you didn't want one. right Right. so yeah they always had the they had the hammer ready to go Um,
0: (laughs) or ping pong paddle
1: yeah or whatever it is right (laughs) like it's just but they had the authority or they had the power by which to Mm -hmm. say this is how it's going to be and so fear now I don't think you can get out um, some people may disagree with me there's an element of actual fear in reverence and I yes I, I don't think it's scriptural just to Just to say, hey, you approach God simply as your loving father, unless you're right in your relationship toward the loving father, because this is somebody who can spank you, you know, or with a bolt lightning take you out. Yeah,
0: true. I mean, that's true. I just had a great image right there, but yeah, that's true.
1: Here's an image that I think some, I mean, it's like um, you're surrounded in a cave with a whole bunch of dynamite, you know, if you wanted to smoke. You're gonna be real careful lighting that cigarette, right? Like there's an element of fear and respect, and maybe you conduct yourself differently and you don't smoke in a room full of dynamite. Right. Well, yeah. You, you take okay. precaution. Um, and I think that's what that is. The fear and trembling, I don't think we take them separate. I think Paul's using right, no. somewhat like a colloquialism.
0: Yeah, I think it goes together.
1: Yeah. And it's just fear and trembling. It's like take this serious like God's not to be played with like Christ died for you. That's serious. It's not mm-hmm. fluffy, but it's an act full of love and devotion. Yes. So
0: yeah, that that's a beautiful way of putting it. That is a beautiful way of putting it. So you have this discussion question. We're saved by grace. What does it mean to work out our salvation?
1: Yeah. So this is one I've thought
0: about. That's before. that's sticky because we we tend to get too stuck on the works
1: which i mean ultimately that's you know what is the fruit you bear right so yes
0: that that is your works but we tend to i think there's a lot of people that really get stuck on if i just do enough then i can earn my salvation and that's that's, not that's the pharisee's way that's 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 the way
1: of every religion that's not Christ centered.
0: Yes. Yes. Um, Because we are saved by grace and it is a free gift. It is a gift that we accept and we do works, but that's not how we earn that.
1: So here's the way I've been taught or I've studied a lot of my stuff I've studied. I have, I don't know, 15 years ago, I really got bitten by the spiritual disciplines bug. Um, because it, number one, by willpower alone, I've never been able to like not eat the cookie when I'm on a diet. I've never been able to make myself run, right? I've never Sorry. been able to be like, oh, I'm going to give my 10% to the church and do it all the time. Like my willpower sucks. Um, and I'm going to guess so does everybody else's. Mm-hmm. And so like going to the Church of Christ school, there is an element where there's a push of, of obedience-based. Christianity. Yes. And so I struggled with that because I never was good enough. We talked about that last week. I stumbled upon some of the mystics. I stumbled upon some of the, you know, old church rituals. So here's how I understand how you work out your salvation for fear and trembling for it's God who's at work within you. The goal of the Christian life is to fall in love with Christ. And the deeper you're in love with Christ and the more the Holy Spirit works the more your nature reflects Christ. So the work that we do is to love Christ, just as I always go back to marriage.
0: Yes, because I mean, it's a great example.
1: Yeah, I mean, like I could check off every box of making sure I could make sure food was prepared anytime my wife woke up. I could stand at the door waiting for her to get on break and and go rush at her every need uh but if i didn't love her all i'm doing is just works and the, and and eventually i won't care if i don't love her and so
0: mm-hmm. you mm-hmm.
1: develop that love you know you do you do practices that develop affection you know even physical touch date nights mm-hmm. these kinds of things develop that head heart and hands into the you know the the love that that it should be.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it it takes. Okay, so going back to marriage and thinking about working out our salvation. A marriage, once the vows are said, is not perfect. It is not sunshine and roses your entire life. It takes work. It takes time. It takes commitment. It takes dedication to each other, learning each other, growing together, maturing together, sharing in life struggles together. And and it's the same concept. It's you can accept Jesus and be saved. Absolutely. But falling deeper in love and understanding that love that Christ has for us takes that time and commitment and dedication. Yeah. And, And the more you work on it, the stronger that bond
1: becomes. Yeah. I think it was a couple, it was a couple quarters ago. I wrote one of these lessons. And I use the example, I remember a a marriage counseling session that I had to where this guy was working 60 hours a week, like, because he wanted, he he wanted to provide a lot of stuff for his family, financial security. And there was a little pride in it too, right? Like, but ultimately he told himself, I'm going to basically disconnect myself from my wife and family so that I can work enough to provide what they want. And then I remember the woman saying, look, I don't want that. I want you. Right. And so that's where we get the difference between uh, working for our salvation Mm -hmm. and then falling in love with Christ. Like God doesn't need your service that bad. He does want you. Right. Like, so. Yeah, that's awesome. That's, That's where I see that.
0: Okay. So that's working out our salvation with that fear and trembling yeah the last part of that
1: uh though is it a combination of you and god i i shudder to say a combination of your work and god's work but i mean there's an intention like if you're not intentional it's like a marriage your marriage is going to go bad if you're not intentional sure it's not work to be intentional necessarily but it's intention
0: but yeah that dedication that commitment you know i mean you have to, you have to be committed to this. This is, you know, I mean, it's just like, if you weren't committed to your marriage, what kind of marriage would you have? All right.
1: It wouldn't be one okay. for long.
0: It, it, would have, it wouldn't have one for very long. Somebody would be walking out the door <laughs> if you had no commitment. How about digging deeper? Well, you've got you've got a really good deep. comparison here that we need to talk about. So Paul, Paul really sets us up to understand who Adam is as a, as a Christ figure and then how Christ came for that redemption.
1: So, yeah, this is somewhat purposeful by Paul, I think. So in Philippians chapter two, verses five and six, he says, let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but he emptied himself. So there's the image that Christ was God, right? So like in John chapter one, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God word became flesh dwelt among us so jesus christ so in the garden of eden the temptation was to become like god but not not be obedient or be submissive to god because god Mm -hmm. says don't eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and then satan says yeah but if you do you'll be like god so they shortcut the process and Mm. and so then in romans 5 Paul says, Adam is a type of Christ. So he says, uh, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death came through sin. And so death spread to all because all have sinned, right? So the act of Adam, we're going to get into some theology, and this is where Kermel Presbyterians and Presbyterians will differ a little bit. Um, But because of Adam's sin, death spread to the world. Everybody Mm -hmm. died. In the old Puritan books, it's Adam's false and we all, right? Mm -hmm. Or total depravity or whatever, original guilt, whatever you want to call it. Yep. Yep. So then in this Philippians 2 passage, Paul says, but Christ was submissive to God. He was obedient to God. So therefore, he didn't consider equality with God as something to be exploited. So Adam exploited the, the becoming like God. But Jesus Christ submitted and emptied Himself and became humble in order to follow the will of God. Mm-hmm. So then, Romans says in uh, Romans five fifteen, but the free gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died through one man's trespass, much more surely has the grace of God and the free gift in the grace of the one man Jesus Christ abounded for the many. All right, and so, um, then. Uh, Paul says Adam was a type of Christ, um, and, and what a type is, just again, probably a year ago in one of our encounters, uh, I explored the fact that Joseph was a type of Christ, and mm-hmm. what a type is, is that it's a story or a way of thinking. It's like a framework mm-hmm. that you're supposed to think about the future things. so Joseph was a type of Christ he was left for dead in a pit, he became the ruler. Mm -hmm. That's how we were supposed to think about the Messiah when when he came. Mm -hmm. So for Adam, it was his act of disobedience that caused sin and death. The act of obedience of Jesus Christ creates life and righteousness. Yes. Yes. Problem is, that can lead and has led there's like Unitarian Universalist or whatever. There's different denominations that believe then in a um, universal salvation, um, sure. you know, but I'll let you dig into or ask questions that you would want to ask there because, mm-hmm. you know,
0: so it's, it's the, it's the reversal of we had, we had Adam in the garden who had this beautiful relationship and then was offered the opportunity to shortcut the program Mm -hmm. and elevate themselves to a position of power and authority. And then you have the reversal where you have someone who's in a position of power and authority who emptied themselves, humbly came and submitted to the plan, like was supposed to be in the beginning. And because of the plan, now we have righteousness in life. Yes. Which is which is a beautiful story. Yeah. But yeah, so okay. So so there and I agree there, there is the problem of then we have different denominations who are saying, well, then that free gift of grace that was given for everyone, that means we're all saved, right?
1: Yeah. That's sure. So this is where what we, what there's a struggle, like what we would call the imputed righteousness of Christ. Okay. All right. So my Bible friends hang in there, but it's an important thing. Yeah. Just as humanity is guilty because of the act of Adam, it helps us in our security that we're declared righteous in Christ it's not on the basis of what we did. It's on the basis of what Christ did that makes us righteous. Mm -hmm. So like when we stand before the court, this is the probably the classical historical argument. The judge will say not guilty, even though you are because you're not being judged. It was the act of Christ or the faithfulness of Christ that was being judged. Mm -hmm. So Christ is your mediator. Um, He is your sacrifice. He is your head, if you will, he's your representative. Mm -hmm. Um, And that, again, there's different theologies, and and I'll get roasted by some preachers because of this type of theology. But it is the one that I feel the most comfortable with understanding Adam as a type of Christ Mm -hmm. in the work of Christ. Like, as we were saying, our salvation is not dependent upon our our righteousness. Right. But because Christ's righteousness is imputed to us, there's a word to look up.
0: Yeah. Okay. Very so, good. So it's this this uh, this submission that Christ did and his humility that we're assured of, of where our right. exaltation with Christ. Right. Yeah. We're saved okay. by
1: the life of Christ, the death of Christ, and the resurrection of Christ. It's not as though Christ was just this piece of meat that died on the cross. And therefore this vicious God is satisfied. It was the Mm -hmm. life of Christ that demonstrated righteousness and submission and holiness. And because he did that, the death of Christ was valuable, or it was the atonement Mm -hmm. able to be. It was a lamb without blemish. And then in the resurrection, God declares victory
0: Mm -hmm.
1: for Christ Mm -hmm. and us. Absolutely.
0: Amen and hallelujah hallelujah so you end this section with some some really good discussion questions yeah uh, you know man and and sunday school teachers Whoo! this one may take a little time right here because there's where do you draw that line between humility and humiliation because there is a line
1: there is one
0: there is a line but is it is it going to be a cultural line um is it a personal line? And I think all of the above is the answer, but what, what do you think on that one?
1: I don't, I don't know. I don't know how this is a good way to get Twitter gelled or canceled because (laughs) what, at at what line did it cross Christ showing humility to Don across to being beat, stripped crown of thorns. I mean, like, so if that's the example, what's the line?
0: Right. That's true. But I am
1: simply not gonna say that like a wife should stay with a husband that abuses her. I'm not gonna say that. I'm not gonna say a kid needs to stay in a home where mom and dad don't care and they're starving to death. That's not yeah, good. And I'm not gonna you know what I'm saying? Like
0: yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: there is. But what is the one? I mean, if like if if being stripped, beaten, crown of thorn, spit on, thrown on a cross is humility as as we were defining it. Where's the line between humility and humiliation? And the only mm-hmm. way that I can, it's like slavery. Mm-hmm. It's that it's a voluntary choice that you've prayed about it. And then, and I've been here, like again, I've, I've said you probably have two in this. Like I've opened, yes. we've opened our home to kids, but there comes a time to where if the kid's not yeah, doing what they need to do, there's no reason... But- I'm getting taken advantage of in my family. Yes, suffering exactly. It. exactly.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's something that everybody needs to pray about and seek, seek guidance and wisdom on as to where, where it is that they, what is and what isn't the right
1: thing. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and be careful of manipulation.
0: When you're yes, trying to help somebody, you, know?
1: you can get manipulated and oh, you can. Easy. So I think it's a good prayer life, like a connected life with God, because I don't think God leads you into complete humiliation all the time. No. Right? I don't.
0: No. And I do, I, I agree. I think in the times of my life when I feel like I'm supposed to help somebody, but I'm concerned because of the situation or circumstance, it is through prayer that I understand where my line is. Like I know that I'm supposed to do X, Y, Z, but at the end of that, then I go no further. Like, this is where, this is where God made it very clear to me that this is, right. you know, if they keep pushing beyond this point, then then it's time for me to say, I'm sorry, I can't help you anymore. You're yeah, and that's to- hard.
1: Oh my gosh. Yeah. Because you don't yes. know, you 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 question yourself to say, is it just, I'm tired of it? Or am I, it's like, yeah, you yes. you know, you ask somebody to do something. Well, let me pray about that. You yeah. know, uh, you know. So we'll see.
0: That that is a really hard thing. So, but but seek God and those yeah. things. So then we jump into learning from the scripture, and you really bring us back to this whole idea that the church, for the last two thousand years, has these beautiful hymns, these beautiful creeds, doxology, that all points us to the same direction. And this is why we do, this is why we sing those. This is why we continue to say those creeds because it does bring us back to this point of understanding who Christ is and how Christ interacts in our life and and how we're supposed to work together as a family for this. You have those virtues that we see in scripture. Servanthood, sacrifice, submission.
1: Right. The reason I bring that up too is because like, if this is one of the first creeds, like you probably, you're some of y'all's churches probably do the Apostles' Creed and you don't really understand why you do it maybe every week. But basically what the church is saying is these are the most important doctrines and you're going to say it every week because we want you to know this. It's that important. Mm -hmm. And so if one of the earliest church creeds was about Christ humbling himself and going to the cross, then that means the church from the very beginning thought this is super important. Right. And, and so the way I illustrate this, your church probably has a favorite hymn that you don't really notice, but you sing it about every two months because everybody loves it. So like, if you go to a church and you know, like there's a church that I attend often that sings I'll fly away a lot. Right. And then there's another, like when I was the pastor, we sing all creatures of our God and King a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But so they help create what's important for the body right and so what my point there was is from the very beginning of the church service sacrifice submission was super important and and Mm. so much so that we don't need to let it go at all in the way we do ministry or whatever else
0: absolutely and then you say that the, the scripture selection today focuses on, on humility, which it does. We've talked about this quite a bit. That humility is as necessary now as it was in the first century. In this passage, we learn that humility is the key to living a God-honoring life. And that leads us into C.S. Lewis. Oh, my goodness. This this beautiful quote from C.S. Lewis, if you are following along, it's on top of page 88. Yeah. He writes, humility is not thinking less of yourself, but it is thinking of yourself less. We are children of God, loved by God, secured in Christ. This truth enables us to think less of ourselves and more about others. Yeah, And that's, that's the key to humility. Is it not? Yeah. It's not, it's not forgetting. It's not ever, you know, again, it goes to that line. There's a line. But it's not ever recognizing the fact that you have a great ability, that you're, that you have a great singing voice or you're a great teacher, or you prepare amazing sermons or, you know, whatever it is that you're a great mom, that you're a great dad, that you're whatever you are. It's not never recognizing the skills and abilities and gifts that you have been given, but it's understanding that you think about yourself less Less. and about other people and other people around you more.
1: Yeah. So like, if you think about it, somebody who is is maybe not real good on their Mm self-esteem, they're constantly thinking about themselves because they're constantly thinking, am I good enough? Did they like me? Did I mess up? Did I do this? Did I do that? And you're always questioning yourself. And just mm-hmm. because you think you're not good enough doesn't mean you're being any less egotistical. It just means you have a bad self-ego, right? And so right, the healthy right. would be serve. Like, right, I'm good, let's go. Um, mm-hmm. So that's what, that's really what CSO is trying to say. Like just putting yourself down it's still focusing on you. Forget that, yeah. go and do your work. Like, right, yeah. right, you are who you are, let's go.
0: Yes. Yeah. And man, that is so hard when we live in a culture and time where, man, talk about all the social media influencers, you know, who think about themselves constantly and yeah. continuously, you know, I mean, that's just, gosh, Why do we have to record, you know, that's something I think I'm just going to harp on my little soapbox for a minute. That's something that drives me crazy. How come we have to record our good deeds all the time and post them all over uh, social media about the great things that we're accomplishing? Why can't you just do it? Why do you have to be on video?
1: We're poor wayfaring strangers, Becky. (laughs) This world is not our home. Maranatha, Lord Jesus. Yeah
0: oh okay Okay. so when okay go ahead you go ahead what when we humble ourselves you say in the next one when we humble ourselves before god it allows us to live sacrificially now let's let's talk about that for a minute though because what does and we talked about it some because we don't want to take be taken advantage of but what does it mean to live sacrificially
1: so that's part of the discussion question so that's good how are you a living sacrifice to god Mm -hmm. Um, so I didn't know how to answer that, actually, when I first wrote it, because I don't really know what it means, except now that I'm reading it now and we're having this conversation, Uh, Philippians three, eight in our text, it says more than that, I regard everything as loss because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things, and I regard them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. And that might be humility. It's that your whole focus is not on you, but it's on the one who is worth it. So maybe that's a definition of humility. I consider all things lost for the sake of knowing Christ.
0: Mm.
1: So, I mean, that's it's the same way of saying, take up your cross and follow me, offer yourself yeah. as a living sacrifice. It's a complete, or being a slave of Christ. It's the complete abandonment of self into the arms of that ultimate good, that you know Jesus Mm. Christ is maybe that's the way I'd answer that wow I think we'll think about that for a minute okay no
0: that that's that's really powerful that's really powerful
1: but I've tried in my mind to figure out what would I consider loss does does Paul really mean like my my marriage does Paul really mean my kids does Paul mean my job does Paul mean what does he mean? Like, I consider this a loss. All the good could things. It be,
0: could it be everything?
1: It would have to be. But I mean, just yeah. like, think about the consequences of that. That's tough.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I absolutely. I don't think any of us would want to, but when you, I don't know, I think that's probably part of that maturing in your relationship.
1: Yeah, You so. know, it's
0: it's a, it's a process. It's not a place that you're going to come to Immediately, but it's a process of understanding because you go on to say that when we humble ourselves before God, we learn to submit to God and submit to one another.
1: Yeah, super and important when concept.
0: When you submit to one another, then maybe your loss isn't as bad as you think it might
1: be. Yeah, if everybody was playing the same game, but it doesn't work that way. No. Like I've been in marriage counseling context where I think one person is truly trying to submit and the other person is truly trying to run and run the relationship and run out of the relationship. And I'm like, well, this isn't going to (laughs) work. And I, and I hate that. Or it's kind of like, you know, communism is probably not a bad system if everybody would participate, but nobody wants to, You know,
0: that's true. Capitalism would be
1: good if any, if everybody would play by the rules
0: right but nobody but that comes back to that human nature then we come mm-hmm. back to being the adam you know and and that following christ is countercultural yeah. and counter to our nature um you know if we're all if we're all trying to take the shortcuts
1: <laughs> and
0: elevate ourselves with the power and authority then we're not all submitting to each other
1: preach and that, sister
0: and and that is human nature yeah, that unfortunately is human nature
1: it's all game so how do you just
0: de- how do you describe i mean we talked about this a little bit but that's that that would really be submission and being hmm. submissive that would really be what that is i think is giving up is, all things
1: to christ
0: yeah yeah everything so how do we apply this to our lives
1: well thanks daily bread devotional talk about this is a
0: great story
1: yeah so booker t washington um Funny enough, just if you're keeping score at home, my nickname when I was a kid was Booker T. But nonetheless. Um, really? Yep.
0: That's interesting. Okay. It is.
1: Uh, so Booker T. Washington, really smart black guy back in the old South. You know, uh, he was the uh, president of the Tus- Tuskegee Institute in Alabama. Uh, and, you know, a wealthy white woman, you know, just saw somebody that was Uh, dark skinned and thought oh they'll do something for me you know at least in the story she offered to pay so at least that was something but she was presuming something first that's the product she was presuming that she as a person of privilege could impose on somebody that needed something right Right. because she
0: had moral superiority and authority
1: yeah and money and money yeah and so she you know he she asked hey will you um cut this wood bring it up sure you know, and then somebody in the neighborhood, little girl realized, you know, what had just happened. And she was embarrassed you know, to her credit, at least. She was embarrassed that she, you know, she was embarrassed that she would act that way in front of the president of a university who knows what she would yeah. act like if it was just some dude. But nonetheless, um, she decided that she was going to basically do a fundraiser for him. And, and so that's what it did. And so the end of the story is the woman you know, goes to apologize and he says, it's perfectly all right, madam. Occasionally I enjoy a little manual labor. Me too. Very little. <laughs> and besides, it's always a delight to do something for a friend. And so like, he just took that as a time and it could be, and what I would like to think, I don't know the story, but what I would like to think because he humbled himself and and didn't have to get even and extended that term friend, she, yes. went, she went out transformed. And that's exactly what the the cross did christ's submission to the cross redeems and transforms the world and so when we practice humility like that we contribute to the transformation of the world i'm Mm -hmm. hoping is what happened now who knows she might have gone out and done the same thing i don't know
0: i don't know i don't think i don't think so i think you know i think anytime you have a encounter like that where Ah,
1: i encounter yay
0: sorry. That was awesome. Um, but that's where we need that little applause button. Right. You know, (laughs) our buzzword of the day. Anytime we say encounter.
1: Yay.
0: (laughs) Um, I think anytime that you have something like this happen in your life and you are transformed, it changed, it should, it should. And I hope, and I pray that it does, that it changes you. It it changes how you see yourself, and it changes how you see the world around you, and it changes how you see other people. Yeah, I pray that's
1: what it does, because it should. Yeah, so it should. Yeah, and and so we should respond. I I was telling Becky, you know, before we started recording this, like, I it's happened to me. I guess I just look like I work at like Walmart or Best Buy, but people will come and be like, "You're wearing the Starbucks. Best Buy what? blue shirt yeah. tonight." Yeah, where can I find this? I'm like, I don't know, dude. <laughs> I don't work here. Um, but like, I've done it to other people and they, it's like, they look at me, like I slap them on the side of the head. Like, how would you assume that I worked here at Best Buy? Like I'm one of yeah. these people. I'm like, eh, cause you're wearing a blue shirt at Best Buy right. or Walmart. That's why.
0: Right. Yeah. Uh,
1: but just those little attitudes, you know, it pops up. You can tell when you, when you got your pride stepped on a little bit and that's probably some.
0: Yeah. It's a learning experience.
1: What the chiropractor would say are pressure points that yeah you need to work out with fear and trembling
0: yeah yeah so work it out with fear and trembling Mm -mm -mm. so we're going to close with this this question while i'm going to pose this to sunday school teachers so this is a great question for your class how how would you respond if you were in booker t washington's shoes how would have you responded to somebody who said hey I need this done. Can you just go and take that when you were in that place of status and elevation? Yeah. And
1: remember, you have a cell phone today. So what would you had a cell phone with access to Facebook and Twitter and everything else? How would you react?
0: Yeah. Would you be recording it? saying, look, look at this Karen over here thinking that she's all, you know. Yeah. That's a great question for your for your class today. So let's close on that. This is this has been a great quarter, and uh, I hope I hope again that uh, those of you that are watching that have joined us this week remember to hit the button below, like and subscribe to this channel, and um, click the little bell to be notified of new content coming out. Really excited that that we're going to start a new quarter on wisdom literature starting next week, because um, we can all use a little wisdom, but maybe this week a little humility.
1: Little humility goes a long way.
0: Mm-hmm. Amen.
1: Blessings on everybody.
0: Mm -hmm. Bye.